Tanya Collins, Golden Nuggets of Managing State. This is episode 112 on Alternative Health Tools Podcast. Welcome to Alternative Health Tools. I'm Lisa Victoria and I'm your co-host from the UK. And today we are talking about golden nuggets on managing state. We are with the wonderful Tanya Collins, transformational coach. I'm so excited for today's session. We're going to be talking about Hara and energy. We're also going to be looking at peripheral vision and the impact that this can have on our stress response. We're also going to look at language and self-talk and we're going to talk you through a demonstration so you guys listening can get involved with us. And then we're going to leave you with some daily practices on managing state. So I'm so excited for this podcast. Thank you, Tanya, for joining us. I'm really looking forward to all the tips and the demo that we're going to share with the listeners today. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Lisa. I'm very excited to be talking to you too. And I'm incredibly honoured to be asked. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. So for the benefit of our listeners out there, can we just share a little bit about the work you do and why you do it and maybe a bit of your background? Yeah, I'm a, a transformational coach, as you mentioned. And what does that mean? It means that I do generative coaching, but I also help people change from the inside out in order to get congruent, lasting change with dealing with the issues that they come to see me about. And it has, I, I guess I've had a bit of a potted history that has got me to this point. But looking back across my working life, there's been a there's been a golden thread running through most of my working life, and that's been about people. And I discovered in my early 20s how much I love working with people. And I quite love working with challenging people as well. So initially, I started off my working life after what I would call my pet shop school days type work. Mm-hmm. I ended up working in science. So I did my degree in physiology and ended up doing some postgraduate work while I was working within the university where I did my degree. And whilst I was doing the postgrad work, I became a warden in a hall of residence. And that was welfare and and discipline of um, students looking after them in a pastoral capacity. And I loved it because I was up half the night dealing with fighting students or whatever else was going on in the halls. And that was a a wide range of stuff. There's some stories there, I can tell you. But yeah, so what, I mean, it's just a simple quick one is I found, I was doing some rounds once and I found that somebody had brought a tree into their bedroom and I had to tell them to go take the tree back out to where you found it and replant it, please. (laughs) Wow. Um, And I will come back and re-inspect. Now that was a, a simple, funny one, but there were lots of stories from there. But during that work, I absolutely, I discovered that I loved working with people and that the science was great and it has given me a phenomenal grounding in lots of other things that I might refer to. The people really floated my boat. When I left science, and there's a, another story behind that another day, I ended up working in America in a social service support agency with adults who were quite mentally disordered and quite violent. They were non-verbal. So you learnt, I learned a lot about interpersonal skills, watching for triggers, dealing with difficult behaviours, being quite challenged by their behaviours. And that was phenomenal. And it was a real, it was a testing time. It was a learning time. And when we came back to the UK, 
I ended up applying for the prison service, but in between times ended up working with a regional charity running personal development programs for socially excluded young people. Kids on the edge of being referred to the youth offending teams or some schools would be referring kids to us. And essentially we were helping them develop their interpersonal skills by giving them tasks, but it wasn't task-based. It was more about coaching and mentoring with groups of Uh volunteers who were trained to do that. And that, again, also built on lots of the rules-based stuff that I needed to be aware of. This was in the UK, so everything from health and safety to safeguarding, dealing with difficult behaviours, dealing with young people, violence. There was all kinds of stuff in that mix as well. But working in the third sector, because it was a British charity, which is still going, actually, a charity called Focus. Wonderful. Um, a, a great little charity. And I was very fortunate to get into the prison service, where the biggest chunk of my career has been. And when we talk about challenging people and difficult people, it was operational work that I was involved in. So that work, I I was on a fast track scheme, but to be blunt, I wasn't very fast. I bombed some of my boards, but it was the best thing that could have happened to me because Mm -hmm. it gave me additional time in different ranks that I otherwise wouldn't have experienced. And it gave me such a good grounding in terms of managing people, supporting people, managing difficult behaviours, and also learning and re-embedding the stuff that I got from the social service support agency in the States. Uh So So combining the two and bringing them together. And what I'm hearing from this is that all that challenge and those difficult behaviours you're thriving upon and you're bringing them all together now from working with the prison service, the charities, the wonderful work you did in America. And it's all kind of forming into this kind of wonderful toolbox that you've now got to help other people. If you think about a lot of what we do with coaching or working with people, it's about building rapport. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot build rapport with the person that you're sitting in front of, you will never, ever engage their conscious or their unconscious in order to be able to do any work. So with rapport, you gain permissions. You always have to reinforce your permissions and check that everything's okay that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's about building trust. And if you're um, not building trust and not building rapport, then you don't have a client and uh-huh. you, you need that honesty. So when you are learning through experience, that rapport building, if you're sat in front of uh, a violent prisoner who could quite easily turn on you and smack you in the face, and I've had many situations like that where you're dealing with very angry people who are known to be very violent and very dangerous, you 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 grow your interpersonal skills and you you cut your teeth very quickly. So Mm -hmm. now coaching still has its challenges, but I draw on all of that stuff, all of it when I come in to sit with a person and particularly an upset person as well. So I worked when I was in prisons as a senior manager in prisons, you, you were required to case manage some of the more tricky, risky individuals in prison who were either self-harming or actively suicidal within a a case management system where you had other professionals within that team, but you were Mm -hmm. case managing it. And you're making the risk decisions collectively, but as you had the responsibility. So you're quite often sat in front of people who are actively suicidal and actively attempting all the time uh-huh. or dealing with huge amounts of emotion from people who can externalize that very quickly. So when I sit with people, I've managed risk. I've managed mm-hmm. tears. I've managed anger. And I still do that 
but it, in ge- with the general public, it is generally a lot softer. <laughs> yes, I can that. imagine. Uh, yeah. And having been in those situations, gosh, I take my hat off to you, really, because that sounds quite a scary place to be for me. But it sounds like you were thriving on helping those individuals, which is an amazing service that you offered to those people. And like you say, being able to transfer those skills into working with your client base now is huge, isn't it? It is massive. And I, at the time, I have to say, it was a job. And there are thousands of phenomenally dedicated people working in the criminal justice system who do a difficult job daily. I just want to ha- hats off to them because every day that we didn't have a serious injury or somebody didn't get mm-hmm. hurt, that was a victory. And the amount of lives that people save whilst in certainly prisons I can talk of, on a daily basis that never get the recognition. It is phenomenal work that people do. But yes, you're right. I thrive on people and I thrive on challenging situations. So yeah, <laughs> it wow. is part of, it's think... part of my DNA now, I think. <laughs> and given what's going on in the current climate, while we're recording this podcast, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. And especially here in the UK, we are back into our second formal lockdown. Yeah. And talking about challenging situations and managing state, it's it's quite pertinent now, uh, probably even more so than ever. In this podcast, we're going to share some of your wonderful insights and tips and tools on managing that state and help people across the globe because it, it, it is a challenging time for a lot of people. It's hugely challenging and quite often people have So when I'm working with clients, I will quite often talk about their emotional pot. And if we've Mm -hmm. got um, stuff from our past that we've all had, we've all gathered a bit of baggage here and there. And some people have got a little bit more baggage depending on their own life experiences. If that pot is already quite full, going into something like a lockdown, which brings some very unique and different triggers that none of us have experienced before that press buttons on different levels for different people, whether that's about the virus, whether that's about something they believe is happening in the world, or whether it's just dealing with day-to-day stresses that are very different now because of having to be at home or having to look after children or having to be separated from loved ones. There's a whole heap of stress that people are dealing with. So when their pot was already full, People are tipping over the edge, which is why we do now have an increased rate of depression. There's been a, a way increased rate of um, suicides, um, mm. and uh, there's just there's the devastating impact of the lockdown itself. We can't underestimate that. We cannot no. underestimate that. And even if people are listening to this podcast in years to come, and we're not in a global pandemic, is managing that part and that state of that state, isn't it? Managing your state because there's points in our lives that do tip us. That pot gets really full and then it can tip us over the edge. And that comes to different people at different stages of their life, depending on what events are happening. We're all in the same boat at the minute with the global pandemic because stress levels are increasing for many people at the same time. But throughout life, they can increase and decrease, can't they? So it's wonderful using these tips and tools that we're going to share with them today can be applied at any point in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd have to say that all of us get triggered. All of us have felt some emotions. I'm not going to name them because that will start activating it in people's unconscious and conscious. But when we're feeling emotions that feel quite heavy for whatever reason, we can all be tipped into that. We're all human. We've all got learnings. 
And you're right, every single one of us will will tip into that space at some point, not necessarily dropping into depression, but even if you have a response that then generates a behaviour that's unhelpful for you, that doesn't serve you, or an emotional response that's too big, that blows, that then creates unhelpful consequences. We've all had that. We've all of us had that. Yeah, and it's experiencing those negative emotions, isn't it? And knowing how to deal with them and how to process them to get back into the positive emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So if this is resonating with anyone out there, definitely stay with us because we're going to be doing a demo a little bit later on. So that'll be a very good uh, practical exercise for people to do whilst listening to the podcast. So where should we start? Should we start with Hara and energy? Because I'm curious to know more about... Okay. First off, my disclaimer is I, I, a lot of this I've learned along the way from books, from people, from mentors, from trainers. I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. However, I can give you some information that you can go and look at later on and try for yourself. But we are energy beings. We're made of energy. And whether or not it, or whether or not you believe it, we have energy centers in our body. Some people might know them as chakras. Now, if you think mm-hmm. of your second chakra, your second one, which is your sacral chakra, it's located just below your belly button. What's really interesting about this, I got taught this by one of my trainers in 2008 initially, actually. It's the center of our power. So it's a, pa- it's a huge power center. And when we start to move our energy, and when I say move our energy, I'm talking about placing your attention. And when I say place your attention, I mean imagine as well. So imagination is, is placing attention. So whenever you imagine something, you're putting your energy on whatever you're imagining. So even if I say place your attention on the imaginary apple in front of you, if you imagine an apple in front of you, you've got an energetic apple in front of you. It's all words, but it all means the same thing. That's wonderful. An energetic apple. I can see it in my yeah. mind's eye. And, <laughs> and it, I, it is, it's all about that imagination, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know where that popped out, but there we go. That's me and Flo. I love it. Um, so, <laughs> so are we going to Hara, so second chakra now? Second is chakra. that where we're placing our energy? Well, let me just show you something. When we have our energy and when we have our attention or our awareness or our imagination in that space, just below our belly button, we actually effectively energetically change our center of gravity and we become more stable so so if someone is standing up and they have their energy in a scattered way but not focused in that point you can quite easily push them over but if you have that your energy in that space and actually really concentrate on putting your attention your awareness and your imagination in that space you actually become quite rock solid so somebody could Mm -hmm. touch your shoulder and you wouldn't wobble Yes. But when you put your energy in that space, and I have to say, I'm, I'll, I'll explain why in a minute, but I think I've got my energy currently in my throat and my chest, and I'll demonstrate this very quickly. When you put your attention into that space to speak, you actually end up speaking, and other people perceive it as being more authoritative. So I'm just going to say one sentence. Now, I'm going to put my energy, first of all, above my head, so you can just hear the difference, Then I'm going to move it to my throat or to my heart. I'll do my heart. I'll do three. Head, heart and hara so that you can hear the difference. Wonderful. And just so people can try this out for themselves. So if people were to place their attention above their head and make it a little bit scattered. So right now I'm talking, my energy is just above my head. So can you hear that my tone is slightly higher pitched 
everybody has different ways of intonating words, but my, my tonality is a bit more higher pitched and a little bit more breathy. It just feels a little bit looser. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it makes now, total sense. Now I'm going to put my attention into my heart. So I've now put my attention into my heart and I'm going to speak for a couple of seconds while I just keep my attention in my heart. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Now, can you hear the tonality has shifted down? It's massively shifted. Massively. It's kind of a more deeper, more connected yeah. tone. I need to breathe my hara back down. So I'm going to just take a deep breath and I'm going to imagine, imagine my little mini me moving down my body, inside my body, and I'm going to bring it down, but I need to breathe to do it. So I'm just bear with me a sec. So as Tanya's breathing, she's moving her energy right down to her second chakra, which is just below the belly button. So we've gone from the head to the heart, and now we're moving our energy down to below our belly button. I'm feeling stuck in my heart, actually. I can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right, hang on a sec. So this is real time. So you might find that you can find that your attention sticks somewhere. It's come back up to my throat. Did you hear that? So my tonality's mm -hmm. changed again. And this is wonderful in terms of how energy works and how it can work okay. throughout the day and change throughout the day. Are Absolutely. you there? Brilliant. So now, oh, I can hear it. <laughs> so now my attention and my awareness is in my hara, which is just below my belly button. So I'm now speaking from my hara. So if you imagine somebody is standing on stage now and speaking from this place, can you hear the difference? It feels yes. very grounded. It feels very solid. And that's the feeling that you also get through your body when you keep your energy here. What's also interesting about this point here is that whilst you have your attention and you keep it in this space, you are likely to find that your internal head chatter switches off. So this is why it's an also a really nice space to be in. I've got and it provokes a calmer energy, doesn't it? I can feel it. I'm focusing. I'm imagining it's, it's, it's like the apple yeah. <laughs> that we were talking about on the desk in front of me. I'm now visualizing my energy just below my belly button and I'm visualizing my mind's eye is going to that spot. Yeah. And yeah. as I breathe into that, I just, even just listening to you, then I think my energy's just shifted, but just listening to you when you were describing that, I just felt really calm. Yeah. And that negative chatter, it just it yeah. calms right back down, doesn't it? Yeah. And this sometimes takes practice, as I've just demonstrated. Sometimes you can't get there straight away. But when you really, and I'm just deliberately now keeping the, my energy down there, my internal chatter has switched off. I feel softer. My energy's changed. We're going to come back to energy in a second with our heart energy as well. Um, what a wonderful thing to do and that we can practice that any time of the day can't we whether absolutely. we're seated before Ab we get up in the morning is probably a good practice to to get into that space and that energy isn't it yeah. before we even start our day yeah start and it off on and a I'll, good foot and i'll come back to the start of the day in a second when we talk about wonderful. resources amazing and I've, I've done a lot of work over the years with reiki and chakras oh which I love, but talking about Hara, I'd never even, you know, heard it referred to as a Hara before. So I've learned something new today. So yeah. thank you. Well, I'm sure I could learn loads from you because Reiki's on my wish list. Oh, well, there we go. We'll share notes yeah. offline. Yes, mm. absolutely. Wonderful. Beautiful. So shall we go into that heart space now? Is that yeah. our next stop for well, our listeners? Yeah. Interestingly, 
you may pe- people i don't want to teach granny to suck eggs and m- many of your listeners may already know that we have three brains mm-hmm. we have our brain we have our gut brain and we have our yes. heart brain and our heart actually has got around about 40,000 little neurites which are incredibly specialized cells so our heart brain is it's got a power of, of its own it's and you know as you say heart brain i've just got goosebumps it just feels wow so powerful yeah our brain our brain does interact through our senses with the outside world but our heart picks up on that information quicker than the brain now if your listeners want to look up the institute of heart math there is a load and that's based in the states institute of heart math m-a-t-h wow now they do, they've done an awful lot of research on heart-brain coherence and noticing and looking at how our heart responds independently to our brain but drives the brain's response. So there's lots of studies, and I should have maybe done a bit more reading before I spoke to you about this particularly. It's just popped into my head. But there was some research they did where they had people wired up with their ECG, their heart, and their brain, and they showed people different images, and they were measuring the responsivity between the heart and the brain, which responded first. Wow. So they showed people random images. So some were neutral, some were positive, and some were distressing. And they found that the heart actually responds. I can't tell you what the time limit is, but it's a tiny, it, it responds quicker than your brain does. How so, fascinating. So I've not is, heard of that study before. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't quote the details on it. but people We can, can put it in the show notes. We Absolutely. can pop it in the show notes. We'll look it up after and we'll include it in the show notes. But our heart has its own intelligence. It can learn independently. These neurites, it's a separate brain. It can think independently and it responds independently and it drives some of the responses of our brain. How powerful. And because of that, it's our heart that actually taps into intuitive knowing. So when we get heart-brain coherence, we can actually start changing our inner physiology, which then changes our responsivity. So when people practice heart-brain coherence more regularly, they they can start changing their state more effectively. Now, and you know, just as you're talking, I can feel like excitement. My energy shifted. I'm feeling excited and I'm almost feeling a little bit emotional. I feel like I've almost oh. got tears in my, but like a happy emotion. Oh, yeah. So even just talking about this topic, I can feel my energy shifting already. Oh. I, I just wanted to give you that feedback because and when we move our attention onto something, our energy shifts, doesn't yes. it? And that's, I'm going to thank you for that because you've actually given me a little lead in. So remind me of that point when we start talking about language. Because, okay. because every single word I say, whilst you are listening to it with your ears, even if you're pretending not to listen, it goes in and your unconscious mm-hmm. is processing it, which is also why I deliberately didn't mention emotional states earlier. I just alluded to them broadly because yes. I'm not here to, I'm here to empower at this yes. moment. And what we focus on, we find, don't we? Uh, so if we don't mention those words, then we won't find them. No, exactly. <laughs> and actually we'll come to this with a language. So... It's not surprising that you're picking up, and this also touches on energy, because we have mm-hmm. an energetic field. Um, before I talk about the energetic field, sorry, I'll go back to the coherence breathing. Now, there's a really good chap, some of your listeners may have heard of him, called Greg Braden, 
who works independently but also does joint work with Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton. You may or may not. I love Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm, Amazing. But Greg Braden does an awful lot of research and uh, teaching. And he's got some beautiful videos about coherence breathing. But coherence breathing essentially is we first of all want to bring our awareness to our heart center. So you can either do that using your imagination or you can just touch your heart by putting your palm over your heart or just touching it with your fingertips. But basically, when you touch a part of your body, you bring your attention and your awareness there. So when you've got your awareness there, people can then start breathing more slowly. So just deepening the breath for maybe for five seconds in and five seconds out. And as you actually slow breathe, you're telling your body that you're safe because when you're not safe, you don't breathe slowly, do you? So your body has a... No, and it's very high. It's almost in the throat area rather than into your heart and your kind of yeah. belly area, isn't it? It's shallow breathing rather than that deep yeah. heart breathing. So heart breathing and belly breathing, absolutely. Mm. And again, there are lots of wonderful people out there who teach about breathing. Mm. Um, Wim Hof. That's a whole different podcast isn't, in itself, isn't, isn't it? it? <laughs> Wim Hof is one of them. So slow breathing will tell your body that you're safe. You'll start to reduce your stress hormones. So the minute you start slow breathing and deliberately doing that, your body listens. Once you've got your slow breathing a rhythm, then actually to bring in feelings of gratitude, care, compassion or appreciation. So to do this, you can think of a time when you were grateful or something that you are grateful for now. And we've all got something we can be grateful for. It doesn't have to be big, does it? It could be that we just woke up this morning. That's enough to be grateful for, isn't it? That we've got another day on this planet Earth to speak to our friends and loved ones. And And if people are struggling, look to the simple things. Look to the simple things and really think into those simple things. Do you know what? I've got porridge. I love porridge. I really love that I've got porridge. And I'm really grateful that I can have my choice of breakfast some mornings and just savouring the flavour. So imagine savouring the flavour, getting into a moment of feeling real gratitude. The trick to this is pulling pulling the feelings in so that you actually really start feeling them on the inside. And if you need to find your favourite memory to do that, whether that's a wedding you went to or the best party or your best mate, whatever it is, feel the feelings on the inside. And it's something you can do on the go, isn't it? Because I, you, when you were talking then, I just remembered the other day I went into the bathroom to wash my hands and have a wash and a shower. And when I went into the bathroom, I was running the taps and it was coming out cold. And I was like, oh, it's winter months in the UK. Is my boiler okay? Or has it gone into kind of freeze mode? And I was like, come on, angels, please. Come on, universe. Let the boiler kick in. And then within a couple of minutes, the hot water was running back through and I was like, thank you. And I was feeling really grateful for having a hot water. And in that moment, I just took that step back. It was like in the morning and I just thought, this is something to be really grateful for, running hot water, because I've been in a situation in the past where my boiler's broken and it's not nice in the winter in the UK when you haven't got running hot water. And I just thought, you know what? 
I take that for granted every morning when I wake up, that I turn the shower on and I get in and I've got that running hot water. So I just literally caught myself out and I thought, I'm just going to practice being grateful for this for 30 seconds. So as I went about my day, I was just like, wow, thank you for my running hot water. And that was my mantra for the day. And it was just that one little thing. But it's amazing when we practice that gratitude, isn't it? That keeps us more in our heart space rather than our head space where those kind of emotional states can fluctuate. And actually, when we set our brain on a direction, our unconscious wants to give us more. So I'll come back to the gratitude later. So feeling the feelings and when you bring the feelings into your heart space, your slow breathing, you actually start bringing your heart brain into coherence and during that space it's a very good time to do affirmations or to set positive intentions or to imagine what you want your life to be like and bring in the feelings of that but also imagine like it's already done so bring in the feelings of it's already done even if it sometimes it feels like a million miles away just imagine it's already done if you want to use that for your affirmations and your positive visualization you're moving forwards It's huge, isn't it? And some people have vision boards. I've got a vision board. Some people have the vision up in their mind's eye. But focusing on the outcome as if it's already happened and having that feeling as if it's already happened, it almost helps manifest it quicker, doesn't it? The whole law of attraction and energy. And that's a whole different podcast in itself. But that gratitude in advance is really important, isn't it? So working from a place of deserving and fulfillment rather than from a place of lack and I don't have it right now yeah and it's interesting because when people are coming from a place of lack if you are saying an affirmation you might be saying the affirmation but you might be feeling the internal discord of of, of not believing it now if people find that they're saying affirmations and they're getting that feeling there's different things that you can do so one of them is emotional freedom technique which is tapping there's mm-hmm. lots of information out there. It's basically like acupuncture without the needles. You're just tapping pressure points. But it- and we've recorded a pos- podcast oh, on tapping. Perfect. So the listeners can go back to a previous podcast episode. Perfect. So you can tap that feeling away or mm-hmm. you can change the affirmation, which is a positive statement in the present, an I am statement. Change it to a question because when you change that to a question, your brain wants to answer the question and you're, s- and you're setting it up to notice the answer Mm -hmm. so instead of saying i am so happy right now say to your brain why am i so happy right now i've got a mug of coffee i'm happy i've got a mug of hot coffee i'm happy because and your brain will start noticing things and this comes down to how we set the brain and this again will come back to gratitude because it's actually a fundamental in terms of energy and law of attraction our heart is more electromagnetically active than our brain my wow. understanding is it's it's got ele- electro ele- it's uh, it has an elect- electric signal and a magnetic signal and the electric signal is about 50 times bigger than our brain but the magnetic signal is about 6000 times bigger than our brain amazing so when our spiritual friends talk about auras that aura is me- measurable with electromagnetic bits of scientific toolkit this is what yes. heart, the Heart Institute of Heart Math are measuring and looking at amongst much of their other work. So when you and I are sitting six feet apart, and this is also why uh, distancing, social distancing is a little bit problematic, I think, um, in some respects, because 
when we're in a good space, our electromagnetic field will extend around about six feet mm. <laughs> and it will reach out. We can make it bigger by pushing out positive feelings. But when we feel depleted or down, that field will shrink in closer to our yes. bodies. It doesn't it. And then that whole energy exchange can't happen. And we're talking about social distancing. One of the things we talked about as a team on this podcast was it should be rather than social distancing, it should be physical distancing because we don't want to socially distance ourselves for the exact reason that you're saying there, because the energy fields then can't expand and connect and we can't connect with other human beings and the whole ability to hug another human being. They say the health benefits of hugging are amazing, huge. Huge. So we talk about it that we're not socially distancing, we're just physically distancing to be able to control this virus at the minute. But that whole kind of physical contact or physical closeness to another human being is massive, isn't it? It's huge. So if you find that you're out and about and you want to extend warmth to people, I deliberately push my energy out. Mm -hmm. Imagination. Push it out. You're wanting to give someone a metaphorical hug if you're not able to hug them. A metaphorical hug and smile, but make sure your eyes are smiling. And clearly people who are exempt or not wearing masks, and I'm not wearing a mask, I make sure I smile. I extend warmth. Because at the moment, people are feeling really depleted. And our energetic Mm -hmm. contact is as important as our physical contact. Um, And actually, our physical contact is hugely important. So a lot of what's going on at the moment is... Is, uh, that's a different discussion. <laughs> that's yeah. a different discussion. But what an amazing tip for people to be able to do right now, because if they can't hug loved ones, they can virtually hug them by expanding their energetic field, can't they? So that will give them some comfort to be able to think, do you know what? I can't physically touch them right now, but I can touch them with my energy field and I'm going to put that out there to them, yeah. which is, is very comforting, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and when you look at the work by... People like Dr. Joe Dispenza, people mm-hmm. like Lynn McTaggart, people like Dr. Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden. When you start looking at quantum energy. And that's a whole different what, 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 the, game again, isn't the, the it? The quantum field is fascinating because there, there's so much work about the power of intentionality. Uh-huh. So the intentionality, when you marry your intention... <clears throat> Excuse me. When you marry your intention with positive energy, and I'm talking gratitude, care, compassion, appreciation, love. Greg Braden specifically talks about gratitude, compassion, care and appreciation. He doesn't mention love for a different reason. But when you are sending a positive intention with heartfelt, you have to be feeling that feeling in your heart and sending that intention. Energy goes. It gets there. Look at Lynn McTaggart and her power of eight healing. When people get together and they set healing intention with the feeling of gratitude, positive care, qualities of attention, that energy goes. It it goes. So And it travels so fast, doesn't it, when you're connected? So like we were talking about earlier, if you're saying the affirmation but you're not really feeling it, then the energy can't travel in the same way well, can it it's, it's almost like you're just thinking it but you're not feeling that energy i'm a very good friend and, and this is the differentiation between the electrical and the magnetic aspects of the heart because a very good friend described it this way and i think she heard this from either greg braden or joe Dispenza. but when you are thinking something it's the electrical signal 
So you send the electrical signal out, but it is the magnetic signal which pulls it back. Amazing. So if you are sending your signal out, if you are thinking that you want something good, but you've actually got a disconnect in how you're feeling about it, the disconnect is actually putting up a wall. So if you imagine it bouncing back from the universe to you, the wall actually stops it getting from you, getting to you. It's bouncing it back out. It's not so it's back. almost like putting an item in your Amazon cart or your Amazon basket if you're in the UK and then not actually clicking yeah. process yeah. purchase. It's, yes. I put it in my basket. I want it, but I actually haven't told Amazon to dispatch it. I've yeah. not paid for it and um, clicked send. Absolutely. <laughs> and the clicking send is actually put the gratitude, the compassion, the appreciation, the care in your heart and imagine it is already done and then it will... It, I've had plenty Amazing. of experiences of my own. I know plenty of people who do. And it, it, it's about understanding the consistency of that in terms of law of attraction stuff. And there's a lot of energy stuff that goes with that. It's huge, isn't it? It's massive. Yeah. It is massive. And there's lots of other podcasts that we've done in the past Fantastic. on energy and things. Yeah, but this is fascinating stuff, Tanya. Thank you so much for sharing. And we, we're not even finished yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no apologies. It's, it's a I, wonderful. I get, uh, I get talking. I get talking. It's amazing. And I'm sure our listeners are getting so much out of it. I'm really looking forward to reading the Institute. Was it the Institute of Math? It is the Institute of Heart Math. I will heart math. We'll pop that in the show notes. Yeah. uh, They've got lots of interesting stuff. They've even got bits of kit that can help you to teach you to get into heart coherence. But heart coherence is touch your heart center, slow breathing, feeling gratitude. Amazing. Wow. 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 So we've touched on Hara and energy. So should we talk about peripheral vision? Because I'm really curious to understand what you've got to say about peripheral vision and how that impacts on our stress levels. It's a fairly simple take home, actually. If you think when people are stressed, generally they are zoning in at an unconscious level very quickly to the perceived threat, whatever that might be. And when people's stress levels raise, they are likely to feel the increased heart rate, increased breathing. And your vision narrows down because it's automatically focusing in on the threat. Whether that was the saber-toothed tiger or whether that is the computer or your boss, you are zoned in on that and your hearing sometimes shifts as well. When we talk about our our body is set up to recognise different states within it, so it becomes this feedback loop. When we feel something, we think something, our body can get kicked off to feeling it. And our body, when it's feeling it, will feed back to the brain that you're feeling it. So it becomes this loop. So when Mm -hmm. we break this loop in any way, we can start to reset our body. So one simple tip is to, when you're looking ahead, just deliberately relax and just defocus your eyes. So if you're looking at one spot ahead of you and just defocus your eyes, you become aware although it's not in focus, but you become aware mm. of everything around the edges. Now, people who are in stress are not holding that wider vision. It's so true. I've just literally followed you on that exercise now. And obviously, I'm looking at you on the screen while we're recording this podcast and then just softening that focus and that vision. I can now see my vision board. I can see my hot water in front of me. I can see some paperwork to the right. I can see a lot that's going on around me, which I perhaps wasn't focusing on before. So it has softened up my view. And when you start changing your body's situation, your brain goes, oh, 
so I can't be feeling that stressed then, eh? Mm. <laughs> and also, I've just done it here, and I've just noticed my energy's dropped from my head back down into my heart, actually. Now, whether your your listeners get that sensation, I don't know. It might depend on where their state is at. But pop- and you know what? We'd love to hear their feedback because we've got this wonderful tool now. If they go on to alternativehealthtools.com, then there's if they look for the episode number, there's a little microphone. And on the microphone... Ooh. And they can actually leave a voice note. Oh, so, so it'll be wonderful if anybody out there is following any of these exercises. We'd love to hear your feedback. So go to the website, click on this episode number, and then click on that little blue microphone and leave us a voice note. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. It might be because I do this daily with my work and I'm just so used to just dropping into a relaxed space uh-huh. to work with my clients. So it could just uh-huh. be me. But yes, certainly when you widen your vision, your body goes okay so i'm not stressed and your body cortisol levels will drop your serotonin will start to rise the other thing that you can do is get some saliva on the tip of your tongue when we're under stress our blood will move from our guts to our periphery ready to fight or flight that's Mm -hmm. the fight flight response so our guts dry up so if you keep some saliva in your mouth it's also breaking that pattern a little bit amazing so that's a really good top tip isn't it just a small one <laughs> but again i was um told that by another a lovely woman many years ago and but it's again it's part of that breaking the pattern uh-huh. fool the body into that you're not stressed fool it you can do it because it breaks the pattern it's something we call a pattern interrupt mm-hmm. but it also breaks that muscle memory thing so mm-hmm. when we're doing things with our body that our body's not quite expecting it, it breaks the pattern wow Amazing. So we're talking about peripheral vision and we were talking earlier about language, weren't we? And about how that can impact our thoughts and our feelings and that emotional state. So when we talk about language and self-talk, what sort of tips would you give to our listeners on, on that area that they could focus on right now to support with whatever they've got going on in their lives where they feel like, do you know what, I could do with a little bit of a boost right now? Yeah, it's, we've alluded to it already that language impacts how we think and how we feel and ultimately our behaviours. And that was the basis of, of the development of neuro-linguistic programming by Bandler mm-hmm. and Grinder. But words have very individual meanings for individuals. So if I say the word cat, for example, you might have a very different picture of a cat inside your head than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a different example. If I said the word steak, yes. Now, some people are meat eaters, and I might even be able to get them to salivate when they think of steak. Because our imagination, coming back to our imagination... Our brain cannot perceive the difference between imagination and reality. It sets the same Mm. neural networks firing. There might be some subtle differences around the physical sensation of touching something versus imagining touching something. But most of those neural networks are firing up in the same way. It's actually how we learn as children. We've got something called mirror neurons on the inside that copy So if a child sees a mum doing something, it watches and it learns and it copies. And it's why, sorry, another fascinating little thing that popped in. I read something a while ago. There was a neuroscientist, a neurophysiologist, neurosurgeon in the States who worked with men and women who were amputees. 
and he discovered yeah. that if somebody had an itch on the back of their phantom hand, because quite often people have phantom sensations, mm-hmm. in order to get that itch to stop, he could, you, the person with the itch could say to somebody else, I would like you to scratch the back of your right hand in the same place that I've got my itch. And wow. as they watched the person scratching their own hand, because their own mirror neurons would be firing, their body would perceive that they were scratching their own itch and their own itch would go. So That's totally fascinating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't, the power of the mind. So, no, no I apologies. I can't, I can't, I can't, this is amazing. I'm terrible with names and, and <laughs> quoting the people, but when, if people look that up, they'll I will find the links and I will give them to you. Um, But these things are popping into my head as we're speaking. But language is the same. Language creates pictures. And when we have language that creates pictures, our brain can't distinguish between reality. So what we say to ourselves is really important. So what can happen is we all have self-talk. Most of us have self-talk. And we might find ourselves saying unhelpful things to ourselves occasionally. Oh, flipping neck, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, how could I have been? Oh, what an idiot. Careless. Careless. (laughs) So we're feeding ourselves language the whole time. The first trick is to notice what you're saying to yourself and notice that our body wants to give us more of what we tell it. So if we say something negative, our unconscious is going to go, I'm going to give you a bit more of that. So it starts feeding more of it. So if you notice yourself saying something negative, immediately turn it round in your head. So instead of saying, Mm. oh, I'm so stupid, you could just say, oh, do you know what? It it, it, it just, it's happened. It it just happens. It's okay. It's that self-compassion, isn't it? I, I was talking to a coaching client last night and I was having this exact same conversation with her saying, if you're cooking dinner for the children and you drop a plate of food and you're like, oh my gosh, you idiot. What did you drop that for? I've got to cook something else now. And I said, would you say that to your best friend? Or would you say, don't worry, it's okay. We'll just sort something else out. We'll just get it cleaned up. It was an accident. You didn't mean to do it. And it's that you talk to yourself as if you were going to talk to to your friend. We had that exact conversation last night because we're our own worst enemies sometimes, aren't we? We beat ourselves up. And if we spoke to our friends like that, we wouldn't have any left, would we? No, no. no. (laughs) Or our neighbours, they'd have all moved out. (laughs) No, and that's that's a beautiful way of describing it and illustrating it. So if we think about the things that we have to do to get on and survive, whether that's a small goal, a daily goal, or whether that's a big goal. We can change how we even feel about doing that thing by the language that we use in our head. So this quick demonstration, if people want to follow along with it, find a goal, whatever that is, whether that's going out and doing the shopping, and that might be a big step for somebody on a daily basis. Uh, So if you've got pen and paper now, write this down, or if you're on the move, just have a mental image of a goal that you want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Just get get a little goal or a big goal. Repeat the goal on the inside so you know what the goal is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some sentences and leave a bit of a gap. But when I've left the gap, put your goal in the gap. But okay. say the sentence to yourself. And I want you to notice, actually, with each of these sentences, how it feels on the inside or how you respond to it on the inside, because not everybody feels feelings in the same way. Mm-hmm. So notice, notice how you respond to it on the inside. So think of your goal and now think, I shouldn't do my goal. So just think, I shouldn't do 
my goal. Notice mm-hmm. how it feels. I can't do my goal. Notice the difference. Yeah. Okay. I must do my goal. Wow. Can I share some of my feedback so far? Absolutely. So those three sentences. So for the benefit of our listeners, the feelings that have come through there is deflation, frustration, those kind of feelings that don't serve me. Absolutely. And that's fascinating, isn't it? The next one is I've got to do my goal. Pressure. (laughs) And who wants to feel pressure? (laughs) And the next one is similar. I have to do. Yeah. And depending on... Again, it's that pressure. For me, and it's going to be different for our listeners, isn't it? But for me, it's that frustration, that pressure coming through and the deflation. And that's not a great energy state to be in to achieve my goal. (laughs) I should do my goal. Yes. Yeah. I ought to, to do my yes. goals. Okay. So now we're going to flip it a bit. I might do my goal. Okay. I might do my goal. Optimism. Yeah, yeah. Feeling a bit more like I can do that. Yeah. And the next one is funnily enough. I can do. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit more energized now. I am able to do. Empowerment. Yeah. I choose to do. Oh, excitement. Yeah. So it's really fascinating that when people have got something to do, even how they're framing that thing in their head about how they're self-talking around doing that thing will generate a very different feeling or sensation or awareness on the inside of how they get on and do that. And yes. But the first trick to that, of course, is the awareness. If you don't have the awareness of what your own self-talk is, you can't then it's, take it's massive isn't it because just doing that exercise for me i just picked a goal and as you were asking the questions or making the statements straight away that feeling came up so we know don't we but we don't always consciously go there no. and actually just to do that exercise if you've got a goal you want to achieve or if that's less stress in your life or if it's a goal to support with reducing stress levels then do that little mini exercise it took us no time at all did it yeah and sorry sorry so the benefits (laughs) of our listeners can we just repeat those statements so they can capture those again can we just run down through them okay i shouldn't do Mm -hmm. i can't do i must do i've got to I have to do, I should do, I ought to do, I might do, I can do, I am able to do, and I choose to do. Wonderful. The other tag on to that is if it's a task that might be a bit boring or it's something you've you've got to do you've got to do (laughs) when you choose to do it you can also tell yourself what the benefits are of doing it yes yeah so so i i I choose to do the washing up and actually when i've done the washing up i'm gonna have really clear surfaces yeah and it's creating that result and that feeling that you want isn't it because you've got to do the washing up and actually that got to it's that uncomfortable pressured feeling isn't it and when i was talking to my coach she says change the word got to I get to do this and I was actually coaching a client a couple of weeks ago and I said I've got a bathroom to clean 
but I get to clean the bathroom. I feel grateful that I've got a bathroom. And actually, to make it more enjoyable, I stick my music on and it's an opportunity for me to listen to my music and enjoy. I get to clean my bathroom. So it's a whole different energy when I'm cleaning the bathroom. And when I take that step back at the end of the the day, it's, oh, wow, that's all sparkling clean now. And it's that feeling of gratitude for the for having the bathroom in the first place but also that sense of accomplishment rather than seeing it as it's something I've got to do and it's a chore and not enjoying those wonderful feelings that I get out of doing it when I get to do that job and that fits with the I choose to do I've heard that before Lisa but you've really reminded Mm -hmm. me of that and that's lovely Mm. and you're right the feeling of gratitude it comes in doesn't it i get to because i have a bathroom i, I have hot mm-hmm. water in my bathroom that yes. i get to clean my taps that my hot water comes out sparkling and yep. it's so important and also just going back to environment actually you just triggered a we thought there with lockdown our environment wherever we're at is so important so even just some daily routines about uh, keeping a space clean and tidy will help maintain a better outlook whilst you're in that space again there's lots of research about the impact of environment on mental health Um, it's massive isn't it it's like tidy desk tidy mind tidy house tidy mind there's tidy everything tidy mind isn't there and it is that connection where it's that peace and the calm isn't it and everybody's level of tidy is different so Exactly. Um, It's individual to you. It's how you look at that. My tidy desk is completely different to somebody else's tidy desk, but it's how we feel about that, isn't it? That's the most important thing is when we look at that, the tidy desk for me, creating a tidy mind creates that feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Oh, wonderful. uh, So in terms of daily practices then, what would we share with our listeners in terms of what they can do? Well, do you know what? There's one that's popped out that we've referred to so many times which is so important and that's gratitude Mm -hmm. so when you first wake up i've alluded to it before but our unconscious wants to give us what we tell it to give us so if you wake up and your first thoughts of a day are unhelpful or negative your unconscious says if that's what you want to get today we're going to give you more of that (laughs) and it will give you more of that however if you set your little filters in your brain slightly differently with gratitude for the first couple of minutes of your day that you actively go into a mode of gratitude and you think positive things about what you're grateful for it's helpful to write it down as well because that also you're not just thinking it you're writing it and you're creating with that gratitude yes so there's two two elements to that you're hardwiring it differently because you're writing it but also you're creating something that you can refer to on the days where you might not be finding the love on feeling the gratitude, where you can remind yourself of things that you felt grateful for before. So you're doing that too. But the gratitude actually sets our reticular activating system to start noticing the good things. Mm-hmm. So we trick for your listeners, wherever they're sat right now, look around the room that you're in or whatever space you're in and just do me a quick favour and count all the blue things that you can see in the room. Okay. And now closing your eyes and without looking, tell me how many red things there are. Now that's a bit difficult, isn't it? Exactly, because we asked your brain to focus on the blue. Mm -hmm. You will only notice what you set to notice and what you notice you'll notice more of. 
So when people yes. are pregnant, they might only ever notice other pregnant women. When you buy a Fiat Uno, you might only ever start noticing Fiat Unos out on the road. Oh my goodness, there's another one. And I thought I only had, I had the only one in my town. Oh no, there's hundreds of them. I'm laughing here because I was out walking my dog and my listeners probably know now that I've got a little dog called Lord Louis. And I was out walking him the other day and he's got a girlfriend called Bella the Beagle which it, she, she's just adorable. And every time Louis sees her, he makes a beeline for her. But we were walking the other day and there was another beagle. And I said, oh, we haven't seen you before. And this lady said, oh, it's my son's dog. But now we've, we're borrowing her. We keep seeing beagles everywhere. <laughs> and she said, it's really interesting that she said, I'm sure they were all around before, but I just wasn't noticing them. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, isn't it? And that yeah. gratitude journal. And one of the things that I love with my coaching clients is I say to them, have some fun with this, because when you do your gratitude journal, what is it that you're grateful for? But mix in. So what we were talking about earlier, mix in what you want to bring into your life that you're grateful for now. Yeah. So if it's something you haven't yet got or haven't yet achieved, so it, if it's you want to write a book or you want a new phone or a new car or whatever it is, write it in with your gratitude. I am grateful for my new car or I am grateful for driving along and it smells amazing. So imagine visualizing being in that car and the brain then can't distinguish between what's real and what's not real, like you were saying. So actually mixing in what you've got and what you want to bring into your life is a great way to start your day, isn't it, with that gratitude journal? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's absolutely key critical. Managing energy is, is huge. So because of my daily work, I need to recognize when I'm being triggered or when I'm picking up energy from other people and you can mm -hmm. walk into a room you can influence the energy in a space with your own energy but occasionally some other people's energy might influence you so just recognizing what that's about and actually having the awareness once you've got the awareness going back to gratitude but you can also do things like go back to nature grounding mm -hmm. you yes know, literally standing underneath a tree and tapping into natural energy. If you've got green space around you, even if that's a local park, get your feet in the grass. Grounding is so important. And there are different ways of grounding. So there are things like a cross crawl as well. So where people, you can basically lift your, stand in one spot, but then lift your left knee to your right elbow and then your mm -hmm. right knee to your left elbow, left mm -hmm. knee to right elbow, right knee to left elbow. And you're starting to re-engage your brain on both sides and get that cross-wiring going again. Brilliant. Um, oh, great. And following on from what you're talking about being in nature, one of my clients lives in the city, so obviously doesn't have access to a lot of open spaces. And one of the things I love using to support with health, with the holistic approach, is, is natural essential oils. And there's an oil called black spruce, and it comes from a wonderful tree. And actually, when you diffuse that aromatically, it alters the chemical composition within your body in a very natural way as if you were in that area. So that's another kind of cheat way of getting your body and your brain to feel like you're out in nature is that aroma, aromatherapy. 
Wow. So diffusing that is a great way if you can't actually get out in nature as well, right. which I just think is fascinating. Yeah, and this is pulling into anchors as well. So uh-huh. olfactory anchors yes. are, the, are, the, are the strongest and best because it's the shortest route to the brain. Yes. Eyes have to go through the visual cortex. Smell mm-hmm. hits the brain straight away. And I love that. I've yes. just made a note of that black spruce. I'm going to get yes. some. It's a beautiful oil. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I guess we probably should caveat that not oils are 100% natural. So just be careful where you're sourcing them for, yeah, from. Ab- absolutely. And also take the advice of a qualified aromatherapist if you want to start really dabbling or mixing with those. Or, yes, or get- because some of them have synthetics in them and then they don't actually work with us to support that olfactory nerve and then that the chemical composition. So yeah, be very careful and cautious when, when choosing your essential oils or speak to an expert. Yeah. And bearing in mind that not all oils are suitable for all people. So if you're pregnant mm-hmm. or breastfeeding yes. or yeah, yeah so to, to get some advice, but check it out because it's all good stuff. The other thing is diet. What is, what I find quite amazing is that so many medics are not taught in nutrition. Now I caveat that I'm mm-hmm. not a nutritionist, but I've done a reasonable amount of reading now. But if I don't eat the right stuff, my emotional energy and my physical energy and my mood dips. It's huge. And that's exactly what I coach with my clients in a holistic view. And as a qualified nutritionist, I've experienced this. I've worked in doctor's practices and you're right. Unfortunately, that they're not trained in nutrition or their training is very limited and it could have been a number of years ago nutrition is huge it's like the foundation of our health really isn't it because if our gut health isn't as we want it to be then that can manifest in other ways and it talks to our our head brain we're talking about the three brains and the gut brain we're talking about the heart brain and our head brain and nutrition you've hit the nail on the head there It's, it's a really important foundation of health it, it, it's it's so thank you for bringing that up it is absolutely fundamental and actually nutritional stuff is actually also on my tick list um of things that i want to learn more about because having done the reading that i have it is i'd have what you call a, lay, a layman's knowledge but 80 percent of the serotonin which is your happy hormone mm-hmm. is generated by your gut and yes, it, it you're is. absolutely right if your gut microbiome mm-hmm. is not right it will impact your health yeah. Do you know this little fact, Lisa, that if you take all of your gut microbiome, but all the bugs from your gut, mm-hmm. and you laid them end to end, that they would reach the moon and back? Wow, and, I've and, not heard that one did, before. <laughs> and did you also know that if you took all of the DNA from all of us, as in our whole human body and all of the bugs within it, if you took the DNA and you portioned it out, only 10% of the DNA would be human. Amazing. So our gut and our microbiome is huge and our whole immune system. And I will refer Mm -hmm. people to contact Lisa, because if you are concerned about your immune system, the first place to tackle that is your diet and your nutrition and appropriate supplements, because soil quality in the UK and abroad at the moment is not so good. So Mm. a lot of adults will need some form of supplementation in order to be able to make sure that you have the best prophylaxis to be able to deal with bacteria and viruses. And there's lots of research out there about vitamin C, D3, zinc. So I refer them, and it's huge, refer isn't it? It's getting the right supplements, isn't it? And I take supplements and people say to me, but you're a health coach. Surely you eat healthily. Yes, I do. But exactly to your point, the, the 
the quality of the soil or unless you've got an organic uh, homegrown vegetable garden where you're not having any chemicals sprayed on them you can buy vegetables from the shop and they don't wilt or go floppy after a couple of days whereas if you actually grow your own in your garden after a couple of days they start to go soft and flop and there's a reason why <laughs> that difference is there so I absolutely take supplements because I want to support my health as much as possible but yeah it's a really great point on the nutrition well, there well it's huge because I work as an emotional transformational coach and I can help people with their emotional pot I can help people mm -hmm. generate different drivers to different behaviors and emotional responses but if they are still filling themselves up with coke if they are not eating enough green stuff if there's a whole heap of stuff that i can do my bit but health is holistic it, it is, is yeah. absolutely holistic so if you don't mm. if you don't get them all in balance you're, you're going to be self-sabotaging and that will help won't it towards managing state which is what we're talking about Massive, today massively yeah, massively with that serotonin level yeah, yeah. And there are foods, Amazing. foods that you can eat that will boost that. Um, so please talk to Lisa on that one. <laughs> Hand over <laughs> to the you. expert. Um, <laughs> and the final thing is talking to others, re mm. reaching out. I, I coach people quite often when their emotional pot is full or tipping over to get to a more resilient space. But the first port of call is friends and family. And if you don't have friends or family, then just reach out, find someone, anyone to talk even just talking might reduce the burden a bit. It might not solve the problems, but actually yes. reducing the burden, bouncing ideas around, feeling like you're not alone, because I mm -hmm. guarantee you are not alone. And even just talking with someone, anyone, is helpful. And if you're finding that your responses are too big to cognitively get through, even with lots of tricks, tips and, and tricks using EFT using different language moving your energy around as we've spoken about eating the right stuff if you're still finding that it's problematic go and get some expert help yes um, because it's all it really is solvable it absolutely is solvable and it's that that whole negative emotion that fear of what will people think or the language I'm weak I need help and it's not it's like everybody has challenges in life and it's about supporting one another and having compassion so if you've got a negative thought that says you can't you're too proud just reach out for goodness sake because everyone at some point in their life it's okay to ask for support. It's okay to reach out and talk to people, whether that's a friend or a family member or an expert. There is no right or wrong, but don't think you have to deal with all this on your own. And we've given some amazing tips and tools today. And if that's enough, then fantastic. That's great. But if you do need some more support, then there are experts out there. And Tanya, I can't thank you enough for everything you've shared today. I've learned so much from, you know, talking to you as well today. So it's a complete honor to have you mm. on our show. And if there was one thing you wanted to leave with our listeners, what would that be? Oh, you've caught me on the hop there. One one thing that I would leave with your listeners. Okay. When I first started this work, I started networking. Mm -hmm. And I went to a networking meeting. And unfortunately, I can't attribute the name to the chap who said this. And I wish I could, but I can't. 
But he stood up in this networking meeting and he said, I polish diamonds. And ev mm. everybody's mouth in the room just dropped. And he just looked at us all and said, no, not what you think. He said, mm. I work with people. I train people. What I would like to reassure the people that are listening is we all have all the resources on the inside that we need. But sometimes life gets a bit cruddy. Sometimes mm. we pick up a little bit of muck. Sometimes yes. we learn patterns from other people that don't help us. Yes. If you've only ever felt happiness for two seconds in your life, your body has coded for it. Yes. If you have only ever felt joy for one second in your life, your body has coded for it. Now, I know I've worked with hundreds of people to help them find their own resources again and Amazing. to dissolve the rubbish. But even just knowing that every single one of us is a diamond, if you imagine, if that's not your preferred gemstone, think of a, a ruby or a, a tourmaline or a piece of granite, if that's your favourite. However... And my mind's going to those different colours now, which yeah. is wonderful. So you are perfect. We just mm -hmm. have patterns and every pattern is changeable. Yes. And even sometimes hearing that and being told might be enough. And sometimes... The other thing is, sorry, there's two points, Lisa. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. This is wonderful. So the first point is to know that you're a diamond. Uh, you don't need fixing, but sometimes we just need a little bit of a dust off, a bit of a dust off and then off we go again. And yeah. don't forget, if we want to drive to Aberdeen in the dark, we yes. might not see the whole journey right now. Mm -hmm. We can see 200 yards in front and we might be running our sat-nav, which has given us a plan. Yes. None of us know. None of us quite know. I might get to Cumbria and decide I want to stay there for a few weeks because I love it so much. I might end up in, forgive me, any Coventry people. I might end up in Coventry and decide I don't like it and want to move on. Life is a journey. Yes. Nothing lasts forever, no matter how good yes. or how bad. And even when you're in your depths, know that you're the diamond. Know that it can be polished. It, you can change. Yes. I've worked with people with class A drug addictions, with alcohol mm -hmm. addictions, with gambling addictions, with suicidal ide ideation, with self-harm. It yes. is all fixable. And you are a human being. You are a hu And human beings have feelings and we're supposed to experience these feelings. Yeah. We just want to experience the positive ones more than the negative ones. And that is our job as diamond polishers diamond to polishers, help people yes. <laughs> i love that wonderful tanya thank you so much for joining us today and i love your kind of parting uh, comments for our listeners that's just so wonderful to know that each and everybody listening to this show is a diamond and you're not lost you're not broken you just sometimes just need to re rediscover your true heart voice and and start shining again like a bright diamond i think we'll leave it there thank for you. today Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. If anybody does want to get in contact with Tanya, the best place to go to is her website. It's www.creatingcorechange.co.uk. That will be in the show notes. So don't worry about writing that down. She's rebranding at the minute, which is very exciting, but her current contact details are on her website. So thank you so much, Tanya, for joining us. 
I'm your co-host, Lisa Victoria from the UK, and it's a pleasure to be your host. And I will speak to you all very soon. Take care. Thank you all so much.